If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Shore, both here in Compass. Those of you in the theater right now and many of you watching online, we're really, really glad you are here. So I need you to do me a little, a couple housekeeping things to get you ahead. Go ahead and take out your Bibles. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to camp out this morning at the beginning. And then we'll go over to Hebrews 12. The notes that you were given on the way in, somewhere to jot down some things. I think today will be a day you're going to want to take home some things incredibly practical for where we all live. Uh, but the easiest way to follow along is the North Star Church app. Go to North Star Church Georgia in the app store, download the app, everything's right there, and it really, really does make it easy. You know, this is our fourth week in our prayer series. We've been working through the book of Matthew because Jesus began his ministry and he began to teach his disciples how to pray. What should come so naturally to us at times, doesn't always come as naturally. So Jesus begins this passage, Matthew 6, but it was sort of his, his discourse, he was talking to them, and he said this, so they'll pop it up on the screen, Matthew 6, verse 9, I want you to pray like this. Now, time out. We hear teams, uh, we hear people just repeat the Lord's Prayer, what we know is the Lord's Prayer, it, that's not the intention of it. The intention of it is it's a template for us to learn how to pray, not just to repeat those words, but to learn how. Because this group of people back then, all they knew were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they knew that they were very pious, they were very up, uh, upright in how they lived and didn't identify with everybody. And so Jesus says, let me tell you how this works. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. And remember that very first week we talked about, he meant Abba, Father, my, my daddy. There was a intimacy that Jesus had with his heavenly father. People then did not understand. At that time, it was seen as very distant, very disjointed. We're here, God's there, we're, we're praying. Jesus says, listen, this is how you pray. You approach him with this, knowing he loves you. This Abba, Father, this Daddy, it literally is the picture of a child reaching up their arms to the Lord. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That was week one. Week two, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as is in heaven. So the second week, we talked about what our earthly kingdom is, right? And how our, our kingdom can compete with God's kingdom for his will to be done in our lives. Then the third week, last week, we said, give us today the food we need. We talked about this daily dependence that we have on the Lord. And that leads us to today. I think of all the weeks, today is probably going to be the one in some ways that might resonate and identify with us the most. Look at what he goes on to say, Jesus tells his disciples, give us today the food we need. And verse 12, and forgive us our what? All right, let's talk about this real quick. How many of y'all have heard the word sin before? Raise your hand if you've heard the word sin, okay? So let's identify what sin is. If you're, if you're taking notes, just a little, this is a little baseline to make sure we're all on the same page because we've got all backgrounds in here, okay? We've got people that have grown up. How many of y'all grew up uh, Methodist, raise your hand if you grew up Methodist, okay? Good number of you guys in here. Uh, how many of you grew up Catholic? Raise your hand. That was a lot. 
do they know you're not there anymore? I don't know, but anyways, that's, we'll, do, we'll deal with that later. All right, so I got Catholic. How many Episcopalians? We got a few, all right. All right, how many of you guys grew up charismatic? Raise your, a few of you guys. Good, raise both hands. All right, there we go. Work out. How many of y'all grew up Baptist? Raise your hand, okay. How many of y'all go, I didn't even grow up like Mike. I didn't, literally did not go to church growing up. Raise your hand. A lot of you guys, it's amazing. So let's, let's get a platform for what sin is. Sin literally means, and I want you to write this down, missing the mark. God created earth. He created Adam and Eve. Sin entered the world, and Adam and Eve missed the mark of perfection. That is the mark. To get to heaven, you have to be perfect which I feel pretty strongly disqualifies all of us from getting to heaven, right? So we miss the mark. We, there's a distance between us and God. Well, when Jesus said, and forgive us our sins, on the day that you asked Jesus Christ into your life, so at some point in your journey, I pray, you all, you, I, all reach the point where we go, I need Jesus and I asked Jesus, I was 14, April 1st, 1983, in Fayetteville, Georgia. I asked Jesus in my heart, and that day he saved me. And it was a one-time deal, right? I don't have to go back for salvation. He saved me, and literally, how do I get to heaven? He forgave not only the sins that I had committed, he forgave all the sins that I was going to commit. I want you guys to get this because this is where we're at today. He forgave all of those. So I was 14. I'm 29 now. Okay, so just a few years have passed, just a couple years. All right, so I'm 54 now, so 40 years. I have committed more sins since knowing Jesus than I did before meeting him. Think about that. 40 years of mistakes, some Willingly, some unwillingly, but nonetheless, things that cause me to miss the mark of perfection. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, this was who it was to. Listen, it was to those that knew, but those that didn't understand what they knew. If you know Jesus, you are, if I were to, to die today with unconfessed sin in my life, I'm still going to go to heaven, right? Because that sin is, it was stamped, paid in full. Well, then what did he mean, forgive our sins? I want you to write this little thought down. Ready? It's unconscious guilt from unconfessed sin. It's this thing. Thing, and we're going to unpack the whole morning is about this. It's this thing, it's this unconfessed sin, and it leads to unconscious guilt. And it's not about my standing with God. Ready? I want you to write this down. But it's about my fellowship with God. It's not about my standing. If you have met Jesus, you are forgiven. Period. End of story. Done. But the problem is, we keep living life, and sometimes sin enters our journey, sometimes more than others, and that unconfessed sin 
can build this wall between us and the Lord. Next little blanks there in your outline. Jesus is not talking about our standing before God. He's talking about walking with God and running the race he has marked out for us. He's talking to you. He's talking to me about the stuff. We're going to talk about what it means. The stuff that gets in our lives that causes this race we have with the Lord not to be what we thought it would be. The writer of Hebrews nails it. Hebrews chapter 12. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? If you don't have it, looking at it, I want you to look at the screen. The writer says it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, literally it's the picture of a stadium full of people watching us run our race. Listen to what he said. Let us strip off every weight that, what's the next word? That slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. Today, my prayer as I was driving in early, early this morning was that you and I would walk out lighter than we walked in. For some of us, it's going to be way lighter than we walked in, and we're going to see Jesus a little different than we've ever seen him before. Would you pray with me? First thing, I want you to pray to the Lord right where you're standing, compass, theater, Wherever you're at watching online, you could be sitting on a bus getting ready for a ball game. Would you say, Lord, show me what stands between me and you? Would you pray that? Second thing I'd pray this morning is this. I want you to pray. God, give me the courage to change it. Would you pray that? God, you have our hearts, you have our minds, you have our lives. We desperately need to hear from you today. So speak to us during this time. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Before you're seated, find two people and say, it's going to be 80 degrees Friday. All right, let everybody know around you. It's big news, big news. So a little blank on your outline. Here's a blank. Guilt is too heavy of a weight for my soul to carry. Guilt. I think all of us have probably, how many of y'all have ever carried one of these into a ballpark? Anybody? Raise your hand. Not a big deal if you're parking at Oregon or you're parking at Ackworth or Adams. I remember when Casey was 14, we played at ESPN Wild World of Sports. We had a big ball bucket. We had bat bags, and you park three miles. You pay $8,000 to play there and park three miles away. It's ridiculous. But anyways, so that bucket got heavy by the end of the week. This bucket is a great representation of what happens in our lives when things go on, we are not proud of, we are ashamed of, that we do. You know what we do? We take it and we put it in the bucket. 
We don't really want to tell God about it because it may change how he feels about us. And we put it away. So yes or no question. All right, a little softball question for you today. Does what you do change how God feels about you? Yes or no? No. He loves you because he chooses to love you. He does not love you because of the good you do. But let me tell you something. You have an enemy, and that enemy would love to tell you what you put in your bucket, the sin, some you know, some others know, some you've never told another soul in the world, but you hide it in the bucket. And let me tell you something. You walk around with this long enough, and it gets old. It gets heavy. And it is guilt. And guilt is too heavy for your soul to carry. And you're like, well, Mike, listen, I'm, I, am, I am a Christian. It does not change that I'm going to heaven. You are correct. But let me tell you what this sin does. It builds distance between you and God. If this is God and this is where we started this relationship the day I got saved, every time there's sin in my life, that's unconfessed sin. It grows the distance between me and the Lord. Does that make sense to everybody? It destroys that fellowship. We don't talk like we used to. I don't pray like I used to. I don't enjoy him like I used to. I don't sing and worship like I used to. I don't have a passion for him like I used to. I don't wanna read the Bible to my kids like I used to. I don't wanna listen to certain things like I used to because there's this weird deal that happens with this unconfessed sin that builds this distance that we were never created. That's why Jesus told his disciples, and when you pray, say, forgive us our sins. What does it do? Well, it acknowledges there's stuff in my life I have got to own. I have got to recognize, Lord, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Well, every time I say that, I am opening myself up to, Lord, I know you love me. Don't let this build this distance. Understand this. You have an enemy that wants you to think God quit on you. It started in the garden. It started with Adam. Adam and Eve sinned. They ate of the one tree God told them not to, and then they went and they covered themselves and they hid from God. Why? Because here's the word that happens when unconfessed sin happens in our lives. And I want you to write this word down, and we're going to dive in our outline because y'all want to be done before two. All right, so here's, here's what the word I want you to write down. Shame, shame, oh my gosh, if somebody ever finds out what's in my bucket. If God ever finds out what's in my bucket. Can I go ahead and let you in on a little secret? <laughs> he already knows. He loves you anyways. So Mike, what do I do? What do I do when I mess up and I sin so I don't fill this bucket? This bucket's full of baseballs. Getting ready, we got a game out of town tomorrow and it's full of baseballs. It'll be in my trunk. It'll walk into a ballpark near you tomorrow. What do we do when we sin? Number one, ready? First little blank there. We claim it. We claim it. We own up to it. We take responsibility and go, God, I did that. 
God, I have a live sent magnet on my car and I was not living sent. I was living to send people other places. And I, God, I'm very sorry for how I just acted on the road or in the church parking lot after the service is over. Whatever applies to you, but I'm sorry. God, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge my attitude today was crummy and I was not a good representative of you. We claim it. Here's the weirdest thing. Here, this is what happens to all of us. Somehow in our brains, we just feel like if I hide it, it'll get better. All right, can I get a little uh, testimony from the crowd? Does hiding it make it better, yes or no? We claim it. God already knows. He already sees it. I've got to see it. It doesn't change how he feels about me. It changes how I feel about him because now there's a distance that was not supposed to be there. Here's what we do, though. It's the craziest deal. We rationalize it first. Makes us feel better about whatever it was, and I don't have to apply. I mean, I don't even have to give you illustrations. We've all got our own, right? We, we rationalize it. And I remember hearing years ago from Rick Warren, and I'll never forget it. Just remember, every time you rationalize means it's a ration of lies. It just makes us feel better, right? We feel better about it. We normalize it. Well, everybody is doing it. I mean, I'm like the only person that hadn't done it before, whatever that it may be. We redirect it. Oh, I don't own it. And we redirect it. I guarantee every principal, we got tons of principals to go to this church, every principal that's called a child into their school office for something, they have redirected at some point. Well, it was them that did it and them got me into it. But here's the most dangerous one. We ignore it. And we think by ignoring it, it'll make it better. So I told the story at 930. I've never told it, North Star, which is like y'all have almost 26 years of stories, all right? And so I've never told this at North Star. We sat at a dinner table last night. It was Ann's birthday. So Mary, Michael, and Jen drove over from where they live in northeast Atlanta. Casey and Kelsey drove down, and we all met down by the Cumberland Galleria um, for dinner last night. And we were all telling stories at the table, and this is the story I just kept thinking of. They're like, Mike never did like, Mike was a good, I was a goody two-shoes, I'll be honest. I was not a goody two-shoes because I loved the Lord. I was terrified of my mother, all right? And so that was why, that's why I didn't get in trouble. But my junior year of high school, I remember vividly, it is the Friday before Christmas break, like the greatest day of school ever, right? The day before break, we're almost on break, and we have a world history, I think it was world history, was the class, Miss Bass, she was the youngest teacher in the school, the nicest teacher, not one of the nicest teachers at the school, all the guys sort of had a crush on her, you know, one of those teachers, everybody's got one of those in your school, uh, didn't mean to tell that, but anyways, so that, that is, that's truth, and the Lord knows, so God, I'm sorry. So anyways, so it was the day before world history, 
and I had not studied properly, which I at times was prone to do because I enjoyed talking more than I enjoyed studying, and I would always put a study group together for the fun of it, all right? And so we had studied just, and I don't even know what we studied, but there was an answer I was missing. Laura, who sat to my right, had the answer I was missing. Don't act better than me, all right? You've done this, especially you guys. I tapped my paper. I tapped it. And Laura moves her hand, and I look. And these are the words I remember. Mike Lynch, bring your paper to my desk. (laughs) Have you ever prayed for Jesus to come back right then? (laughs) My prayers were righteous and faithful. And I went up there, and these are the words. She said, Mike, of all the students at Fett County High School, I never dreamed you would do that, which was worse than anything. And I said, Miss Bass, I'm so sorry. This is like the last class before Christmas break. And I said, what are you going to do? If you're a teacher, put this in your pocket. Remember it. She said, I don't know yet, I'll tell you after the break. Oh my God. So literally every time the phone would ring, I would run to the phone, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, God, you are so jumpy. Why are you so jumpy? No, 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 it's no big deal, I just wanna check. It's my uncle, whatever. Two weeks of just absolute pain and torture. You've heard me tell stories about my mom and dad for years. Did I know my mother loved me, yes or no? No, I did, 100%. I never told her. She passed in 2017, and this was a secret from 1986. Let that sink in on your 1985 to 2017, why? Because I was ashamed. She would have grounded me at 45. She would have, I guarantee you, she would have. But it was shame. You know what I did? I put it in the bucket and I hid it. Prayed she'd never find out. We do that with the Lord all the time, don't we? Now, would I have gotten punished? Sure. Would I have gotten grounded? Probably. I grounded myself. It was torture. I got back after the break. Somebody asked me what happened. I got over the break and she gave me a 50 on it. But the worst part was every test I had to take after that, I had to sit by her desk and take the test. (laughs) humiliating. But anyways, so whole nother deal. If I'd have just claimed it and owned it, there was always this little thing. I just never wanted to tell my mom. But we do it with the Lord all the time. We claim it. Second thing we do is not only do we claim it, we change it. We make the change needed. David had said, finally I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I'll confess my rebellion and you forgave me. All my guilt's gone. We change it. See, here's the principle, ready? The more light I give to my sin, the weaker it becomes. You know what we find out when we let what's in our bucket out? Everybody got stuff in their bucket. And I could start naming things right now and say, stand if you've ever felt this, gone through this, thought this, done this. And everybody hits universal. But when we're in it 
and we're tucking it away in the bucket or we're putting it in the bag, we don't want to tell anybody. And so what the enemy does to our lives, here's what he makes us feel like. I want you to write this down. He makes us feel alone and he makes us feel distant. And therefore we go, there's no way I can change it. There's no way I can change it. Because if people find out this, they're not gonna think of me the same. That was me. It's all pride. It was all pride. Mine was all pride. I was the FCA leader for the school. I was always inviting kids. I was teaching a middle school Bible study. I mean, I was that guy. And now I got busted for cheating, which one of the guys that was in the class goes to North Star and says, well, I'll own it, right? But here's the deal. We get all this happens and we go, well, I can never change it. We literally are the prodigal son. We're a long way off. God taps us on the shoulder. The key to the prodigal son story in Luke 15 was he got up and he went home. He changed it. He repented. Here's the word I want you to write down. Ready? The word is repent. We go, I don't want to live that way anymore. Paul writes about it in the book of Galatians. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently, and what's the next word? Help me out. Gently and what? Help that person back on the right path. You know why you ought to do it gently and humbly? Because it might be you next. One of the prayers I've prayed for this church since we started in 1997 was I prayed it was a, a place that when you walked in the door, you knew you were home because everybody here knows what it's like to stuff something in the bucket. Paul says, you know the power in it? The power is when we open our bucket to other people and we open our bucket to the Lord, we can help share each other's burdens John wrote to the church in, in Revelation, those who I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline you. So be enthusiastic and repent. Repentance is a God-produced change of attitude that leads to a God-powered change of action. Well, Mike, I repented when I asked Jesus in my heart. Yes. But if that's the last time you ever repent, This will be you. I don't worship like I used to. The Bible just doesn't come alive to me. Because we've got stuff. We've got distance. Number three, we correct it. We fix it. For some of us, maybe it's a pain we've caused somebody else and we need to pick up the phone and we need to call them and say, I need to ask your forgiveness. And Jesus talked about it when he, when he said, don't bring your gifts to the altar without first making yourself right with each other. If you're not right this way, you can't be right this way. Hello, get this again. If you're not right this way, you can't be right this way. Your prayers become very ineffective because I haven't wanted to do what's right this way. Somebody I've hurt, pain I've caused. We correct it. Zacchaeus did it. He 
Zacchaeus meets Jesus and he goes back and he pays everybody back the money and more that he owed them. I'm telling you, man, some of us walked in here today and it's heavy. And we've loved the prayer series because our prayers just aren't like they used to be. Do you know why? For some of us, not all of us, We've been packing away stuff, praying God wouldn't find out, and we are worn out. Here's the principle. The principle is, this just isn't spiritually. If this is Ann and I, and there's stuff I'm putting away, it's going to create distance in my relationships. You don't just keep this spiritually. Oh, listen, baby, you take it to work. Take it to the ball field. Take it home. It stains. Guilt stains. Bitterness stains every relationship. There's a phrase that gets used a lot. Hurt people, what's the next phrase? Here's what Jesus says to you today. Take the lid off. I already know what's in there. Leave it with me. I got you. But Jesus, I, I know. Do you remember the story of the prodigal? This kid, he took his daddy's money. He blew it. Wild living, whatever that meant for him. Spent it all. Finds himself in a pigsty eating the food that was for pigs and Jews didn't touch pigs. Now he's eating the food of an animal he wouldn't even touch. And he ran out of food. And the Bible says he came to his senses and he went home. You know what he did on the way home? If you go back and read Luke 15, he packed up all his junk. And all the way home, he was going to tell his father what was in the bucket. Father, I've sinned against you. Father, I've come up short against you. Father, I've done all these things. Father, Father, Father. He's telling himself that all the way home. And the Bible says this. Get this, because this is for some of you. While he was still a long way off, his daddy saw him, which meant his father had been looking for him the whole time. Come on now. He knew where his son was. And he every day prayed his boy would come back. And while he was still a long ways off, his father ran to meet him. And the boy has rehearsed his speech of what's in the bucket. And while he's trying to tell his father all the things he had done to sin, his father wraps his arms around him, kisses his face, puts a ring on his finger, and a robe on him. And he said, my son who was lost has now come home. Let's feast. That's what he's waiting to do for you. 
if you let him. If you let him. So here's your choice today. I carry around this, which gets old. Or I leave it with him. And nothing gets in between God. Now when you hear, forgive us our sins, that's what he meant. Why? Because he wants you and him to be this. Not this. Would you pray with me? Well, there's some of you in this room today. You are a believer. But let me tell you something. You've packed that old bucket up. You say today, Mike, I'm leaving the bucket with him. There may be one of you, there may be a hundred of you. I don't know. But let me tell you where it begins. It begins with ownership and it begins with today. If you leave here and don't do it, I'm telling you, your heart's going to get harder and it's going to get harder next time. You're a believer, but you say, Mike, my relationship, my fellowship with God has been distant and I know why. It isn't him. It's me. And today I want to leave him my bucket. Nobody's looking, just me. If that's you today, would you just slip your hand up? Mike, that's me. That's my story. Oh, I got the stuff, man. I got the scars. I got the bucket. I got the stuff. Would you tell him right where you are today, what's in your bucket? Would you just tell him and say, I don't want to carry it anymore. It's too heavy. God, wash your grace over these people. Maybe you're here and you say, Mike, I never knew this is the God we serve. I never knew this is the God we sang about. I never knew he came to forgive my sin. Mike, I've never met Jesus, but I want to today. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. For some of you, you uttered those words for the very first time. Welcome home. Your sins are forgiven. And in his eyes, you're white as snow. Not because of what you did, because of what Jesus did for you. Welcome home. Would you just take a second, right where you are, and talk to the Lord?